A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy, Happy Saturday. Saturday. Is your coffee good? Mm-hmm. Delicious. Everything you dreamed it would be? Almost. Almost everything. Almost. Now, you're a black coffee person. Yes. Oh, yeah. You like cream. I'm trying to be a black coffee person, but it just tastes like wet dirt. Yeah. (laughs) It's not very yummy. Yeah. I guess it tastes like coffee. (laughs) I like that sugary yumminess, but but I have... Well, how do I explain this? I have made jokes about about how winter has chubbified me a little bit. I don't know if that's a word, but you know, it's a gentle way of adding a few pounds Mm. just to be safe. In case food's scarce right. in the spring, You're in the summer. Like right. <laughs> anyway, I finally broke down and I bought a scale for the house because I haven't had one. Yes, that is depressing. That's why I've got that's coffee that's didn't black. That's why have a scale. Yes. <laughs> it's depressing. Yeah. So I was a little surprised. It's not what I expected. So I kept shedding layers and getting back on the scale, hoping that... You know, the shirt weighed five pounds. It's just the socks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it turns out it's not. So I'm I'm working with black coffee here, doing my best. The creamer is the calorie cut. Well, I'm cutting a lot, but that I'm trying to really Okay. You know, really, really, really cut and cut quickly. Got it. You know, (laughs) because swimsuit season's coming up and I wanna be looking as good as I can, right? Yeah. So black coffee it is. Black coffee it is. I mean, there's so many other things that I want to say right now that I probably shouldn't. Because <laughs> when I thought of swimsuit season, You've a whole really bunch of other thoughts. You've really gone down the road here. Yeah. Well, like, I've got patches on my back of hair that are, like, random. <laughs> what the heck? So swimsuit season doesn't really affect me because I wear, you know, shirts all the time. Yeah. So what's the Who do I though? talk to yeah. about that? About the hair? Yeah. Can that be electric? electrified and re- electrolysis <laughs> can they remove it by electrolysis we're gonna we're gonna get no one of those people on the show about. i think you could wax it you can get it uh, laser people, removed that's what i'm getting yeah, at the okay. laser removal let's find one of those people and <laughs> talk to them <laughs> anyway that's way neither here nor there let's talk about what we're talking about today because we've got good stuff right, right? we've got better than what we brought so far We're going to be talking about pressure washers at the end of the show. There's a a, a debate that always rages between gas pressure washers versus electric. Mm -hmm. If you're in the market to buy, which one should you get? We're going to talk about some pros and cons of each one, and you can decide on your own. We're also going to be in the studio with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman Mm -hmm. from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate, talking about if you're selling your home, what in the world do you need to do to get it ready for the people who want to buy it? Yeah, how much work should you do? Probably nothing. (laughs) Just make sure it's not burning and you're probably fine, right? Right. Even then. I hope not. Who knows? That's not the case. Yeah, because Haley is just starting the house buying process. I'd rather not walk into filth. Yeah, we'll find out what what they're going to do to get their house ready to to sell it to you. And that's coming up in a little bit. But right now, let's talk about an interesting uh, conversation that you and I had with Caroline Dwan from Benjamin Moore. Caroline comes from the Chicago area, and she met us for lunch uh, about a week ago and was talking to us all the new stuff that's coming out. And then she mentioned this personal dilemma that she ran into. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, she painted her kitchen, which went really well. She stepped outside the box. Usually Mm -hmm. she's kind of a beige or khaki person and was so inspired by the home show, or not the home show, the design event that you guys had a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. She decides she wants to try something along the lines of First Light for her office now because Now, First Light is kind of a pink, yeah, a, a neutrally pink, very soft pink. Very soft. Hardly even there kind of pink. But the kitchen is green. She really likes it a lot. That worked. It's calm. It works in that space. Now the office is right off the kitchen. And she's looking at all the samples in that room. She's doing that right. She sampled. That's the best thing that you can do. But she's getting down to the wire. Her painter is going to be there. That's a friend of hers over the 4th of July weekend. Mm-hmm. It's the 3rd. And she's still got to choose a color and clean out the room. Right. Get it ready for the painter to show up. (laughs) So it's kind of down to the wire and it forces her into a position that no one wants to be in. And that's choosing a color that maybe isn't right. It's just. Well, we. Right. You've had to have a decision. Yeah. That's where she was at. I need to do something. I need to pick something. She had asked a bunch of people for their advice. Mm -hmm. And a couple of things. It's a hard story to tell because there's so many different components. So I want to go back. You had said how she sampled the colors. She did the right thing. She sampled 10 colors, though. That was part of the problem. Not all pinks. Right. She had blues and grays and, and a number of different tones. So she did all of that and was was stuck. Couldn't quite decide. She brought in other people. How many times haven't we done that? You know, yeah, what we do you always think? do that. Which one would you choose? Right. So she brings in other people and gets their advice. And then it really just, she can't settle on anything. Nothing quite seems right, but she's got 10 colors. One of them has to be right. Yeah. There's a pressure. Right. Now the painter needs something. And she's got to just go with what she thought was the color she, in fact, the word she used is this was the color I disliked the least. Yeah. You know, she liked the color in, in and of itself. That was important. But there was something about it that just didn't feel right. Exactly. But she needed a decision. So she chose that color and figured, I'm going to just grow to love it over time. It'll be great. Turns out, didn't work that way. <laughs> and it really gets worse. Right. It was a little bit sad. If it had been me, it would have been even sadder. <laughs> But this was somebody else. So I was just thinking, oh, this is interesting. Funny how Let's that works. Let's dig into that. Yeah. I had a lot of empathy, though. Did you notice? No. What? <laughs> I was did. very I'm empathetic. Sure. You were, yeah, you were curious. I weeped when she wept. No. I didn't? No, I didn't. I was very curious, though. And the thing was that was very interesting is that not only did she now hate that color that was in her office, mm-hmm. hated it. In fact, when she was describing... She couldn't even picture it. She hated it so much, she didn't even want to think about it. She said it was gross yeah. to even think about the, the office color and the kitchen color... Together. Together. She said Miami it was like Vice. Miami Vice. Way too pastel. <laughs> so here's what you end up with. She loved the kitchen, mm-hmm. and she liked the color in the office separately. Right. Together? Gross. She hated both of them. She hated the kitchen space as well now. Right. So now, as we were talking to her, she was thinking about she's got to get a painter back. She's got to pick new colors for both spaces. She's just got to change everything. Yeah. She was very frustrated, very depressed in a way, you know, in a lighthearted manner. It's hard to picture Caroline depressed. depressed. Yeah, it was <laughs> an easygoing depression. But you know the feeling. Mm-hmm. You thought you had something. You thought you were defeated. Right. Defeated. You're yeah. making progress. And then you make a decision that feels like you just erased all the progress you were making. Exactly. Now the kitchen that looked great doesn't look great. Nothing feels good. I have no idea where to go. That's where she was at. 
The good news is there's some solutions to get her out of that that aren't nearly as bad as she's thinking. No. And even better, if you're in the process right now of choosing colors for a space, we can help you avoid some of the mistakes. Yeah, there's a lot to learn here. That were made along the way. Yeah. And we're going to get to all of that after the break. So stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and we were talking, we kind of laid out in the last segment uh, uh, a tale of woe. A tale of woe. Not like woe, like like woe, like a surfer kind of a woe, but more like woe. You know, sad. We had talked to Caroline Dwan from Benjamin Moore. Uh, She's a friend of ours. She's been on the show before multiple times. And she's always stuck with beige and khaki and and colors like that in her home. And after being on the show, after attending an event, a couple events that Betsy and I and Repcolite put on Mm -hmm. a few years back, Caroline felt compelled and inspired to step outside the box. And she tried some new colors, and she went with cream de mint, a Benjamin Moore color, yeah, in, the in her kitchen. Kind of a yellow, a green that leans with, with some yellow in it. Right. Right? I should have looked at it ahead of time. I didn't. So that's it. Right, Haley? Am I yeah. okay there? So she loved that color. Then she had to do her home office, because everybody's in a home office now. And she spent, she put 10 color samples on the walls. You know, she got a bunch of color samples, put all of them on the wall, couldn't quite decide, brought a lot of people in, asked a lot of opinions, and all of a sudden found herself the day before the painter's arriving. She's still got to get the room emptied out. She's got a bunch of stuff to do. She's got to pick a color, so she picks one. Turns out she hates everything now. She hates the kitchen, hates the office. It wrecked everything. How does she fix it? What went wrong? Yeah. The first thing that I guess we want to highlight, and, and this is to help anybody who's in the process of choosing colors. Now, some of these things may or may not apply to you, but take what you can get out of this and use some of these concepts when you're picking colors and you'll avoid some of this woe. Yeah, the that, heartbreak. Yeah, that, that Caroline's <laughs> dealing with. So one mistake is choosing a color under pressure. That's never a good mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, it takes a lot longer than we think sometimes, and it's almost like that rule of thumb, however long you think something's going to take, just double it. (laughs) Right. That's how I do almost everything. I assume I'm going to mess it up and it's going to take longer. That formula seems to work for some reason. The thing with the color is that anytime you've got a deadline, you know, and and this applies to everything, this isn't rocket science, but that deadline is a deadline. It can't be extended. Mm -hmm. There's no way to just add extra time on the end. The only place to add extra time is in the beginning. So you need to start earlier. If you've got a project coming up and you're kind of toying around with the idea, I'd start working on your colors now. Right. Because you can always be done ahead of time. That's the one that's going to take the most time. If you're not painting the room yourself and you're depending on this deadline, that's all the work that's up front and you can't adjust anything now. Nope. So start now. That's the first thing. That would have helped Caroline a lot. Another thing is to consider the color of adjoining spaces. That is absolutely key. Don't decorate in a vacuum. Right. Everything is connected. You're going to walk from one space to the next. You can see the colors from the other room. They've all got to be cohesive and in harmony, work together. Because now she doesn't like the office color, this rose bisque. 
but she did like that kitchen color before, and now she doesn't because of the rose bisque. Right. Both of the colors she was okay with. It's when she sees them together, and the, the, the funny thing is, the ironic thing is, the place where she can sit in the office, where she works, that spot, yeah. is the spot that allows her to see both of those together. Right. So always consider that. Keep that in mind. Sometimes we get over-focused on the room we're in. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's got to play well with the rest of the house as well. Now, another thing is that more isn't always better. Having too many choices yeah. actually makes the whole choosing process much, much tougher. Well, it can like paralyze you sometimes. But also, it's really important to find a color direction before you're sampling. If she's going to go with a pink, it's better to find that out before you've got samples on the wall. It's best not to have blue, gray, and pink on the wall together because now that's a lot to decide on. Well, if you do want to go with blue, now maybe you've got to sample more blues to find the right one. Right. That's overwhelming. Right. And and that's that's so interesting because, yeah, what we would say is when you get to the point of putting colors on the wall, you should already have figured out kind of the rough direction where you're going. Yeah, because now you're just doing tints and shades. Right. And worst case scenario, you've got a couple of options where you maybe might be going. Right. But you certainly don't want to have this full spectrum because, like you're saying, it can make it more confusing. Mm -hmm. There's still more to dig into. And also colors don't look right Right. necessarily next to other certain tones. We see the undertones come through. Well, and our eyes are averaging all the colors that we see at once. So we're not really seeing that color unless it's by itself. That's so important to remember. That's why we want to get it larger with these color samples mostly so that we're not seeing the other colors in our vision. Right. We want to narrow in. <laughs> so when we talk about buying color samples, Benjamin Moore has those sample pints. What we're not rec- you know, not necessarily recommending is that you just just try a whole bunch of different tones and and all kinds of different colors. We're saying use the color chips in the store for that. Mm-hmm. Take those home to figure out where you want to go. Then get specific with the color samples that you're actually painting under the wall. Exactly. Another mistake or something to consider is that outside opinions aren't always helpful. You know, right now with social media, yeah. it's just blown up where people are throwing things out on on their social media pages and asking for Let's opinions. Let's have a poll, yeah. yeah. Which one do you think I should choose? And maybe that's helpful, but sometimes, what do you do if the answers don't go with your gut? If you're thinking, I really like this one, but everyone else is saying, well, I think this one, now there's that battle. Or people know you so well that they know that that's the one that you already like. They're just going to confirm your bias. Well, and Caroline talked about that. She said she brought in a bunch of people and they all kind of, they said... In fact, she had even said at our uh, lunch that a couple people had just said, you like that color. You like that rose bisque. Mm-hmm. Go for it. You know, they're just confirming her in that color. Right. And that can be good. But if it's none of them, are they going to be the people that say, maybe this isn't the direction we should go with at right. all? Right. <laughs> and a lot of us, if we have that person in our lives yeah. who will tell us those things, those aren't the people that we usually ask. Yeah, we don't right? want to hear that. <laughs> So it, it's it's a tough situation when you bring people in. It's tough for them. It's tough to come in and say, I, I don't like what you've put together. Yeah, it's a, it's an awkward. That's why you need an outside person like a designer or a color consultant that's going to be unbiased yeah. and just able to be objective about color. Somebody you don't have to go and eat Easter dinner with yeah. you know, after all of this. So we've got color consultants in the store who will gladly help 
If you want to bring in some color samples and talk it through, we can connect you with a designer if you'd like. Just stop in at any RepcoLite or Port City Paint store and start the conversation. Now, another thing that happens, and you kind of alluded to it already, Haley, is Caroline didn't trust her gut on this yeah. one. And that's the part I think she's really disappointed with, too, is that she knew and didn't listen to herself. That's always frustrating when you have the feeling that this isn't quite right, even if you don't know why. Mm -hmm. If you feel that way, you've kind of got to trust it because color is not this rational thing that we can just think our way out of. If we feel it's not right, it's never really going to be right. I don't know that we can learn to love a color. Well, right. We talk about that all the time, how color creates the atmosphere in a space. Mm -hmm. And so much of that is built around the feeling of what what it's doing. It's not a logical thing at all. Yeah, that's why it's so difficult. Right. So trying to force yourself or thinking that, hey, I'm going to grow to like this Mm -hmm. down the road, it doesn't always play out that way. And what Caroline, in retrospect... You know, when we were talking to her, what she picked up on is the thing that was causing her to have this averse reaction to it, this gut feeling that it wasn't quite right, was seeing the two together. Yes. She was seeing the green in the kitchen and she was seeing this color sample and something inside was saying, this is really, really not where you want to go. Mm-hmm. But she didn't listen. She figured, I need to step outside. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because we always are challenging people. And this is a fine line. Right, it How is. do you step outside of your own box and challenge yourself and still, still pay attention good. to your gut? Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes our gut will keep us too safe. <laughs> right. All we're saying is just don't discount one or the other. Sometimes we're, we're tempted to just figure, you know, I've got to challenge myself. I'm going to ignore what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we feel the other way. Try to find a way through keeping both of those in mind. And you do that by giving yourself more time to work through that process, like we said in the beginning. There's a lot going on. Choosing colors can be really, really frustrating. It can be stressful. Yeah. It can be one of those things that almost makes us want to shy away from paint projects. True. (laughs) On the other hand, it can be really rewarding. You know, when you get it right and you nail it, there's really nothing that feels better than seeing that space come together like that. Yeah, your vision is coming to life at that point. And there's nothing that feels quite like that, really. Right. It's so fun when it comes together, and it can be so frustrating when it doesn't. Yeah. But the big thing to remember is that it's just paint. It can be redone. (laughs) True. And the good news is there are a number of things that you can do ahead of time to make sure that you get the best results possible. And follow some of the things that we just talked about. And by all means, stop out at any RepcoLite or Port City Paint store, and we'll work with you to get you exactly where you want to go. Now... We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're talking with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman about what you need to do if you're selling your house this spring. How much work do you think you need to do? Good news is, not a lot. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. And we're back. Haley, we're sitting here. We're on the phone with Ginger Herman and Sue Prins from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate. Thanks for being here, or at least being on the phone with us, guys. Oh, we ladies, love it. <laughs> I shouldn't have said guys. Is that offensive? Some people nope, that offends. Yeah, that's, okay. That's so Thank offensive. You. <laughs> 
<laughs> Especially now that I have a cold and I have this deep manly voice. Yeah. Ladies. Yeah. So, I don't never I never know what I don't never know what to say. I was an English major. My gosh. I never know how to how to handle those. Anyway, guys is just the you know, it's just all of us. We're all yeah, together yeah. in this. Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah. thanks for being here. Thanks for putting up with me. You know, we talked to you a couple of weeks ago about, or so, I can't remember, but we talked about the the market right now, the real estate market, and how, mm-hmm. Sue, I believe you used the the analogy of a big tank of water, which sounds calming, and then you <laughs> filled that tank with sharks, okay? I did. <laughs> and then you threw a little morsel of meat in the middle of it and said, that's what it's like trying to get a house. All right. So that made the point. Now- one of the things that when, you know, on our show here and pretty much everywhere you look through, you know, up until a couple of years ago, for sure, everywhere you'd look online, if you're going to sell your home, here are the maintenance things that you need to do. And as houses started to sell more and more quickly, I started to wonder, I mean, I, I don't think I'm that brilliant, but <laughs> I started to think, how many of these things really matter anymore? So right. you got, we've got you both here yeah. and we thought we'd ask. As a seller, I'm looking at my house. How much work do I really legitimately need to do in order to put it on the market? Yeah, what things matter? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. You know, it used to be that we would encourage people to go in and and make cosmetic, you know, changes that are easy and, and, uh, you know, low expense for the seller. Um, And some of the things that would really make a difference would be on price would be you know things like changing out countertops and things like that but man you know today buyers go in and they are they are you know like those sharks that we talked about and they're just they just want to get this thing under contract they can envision themselves doing you know the some of the work there the painting and and whatever even changing out countertops for that matter um so you know, Ginger, I'd like you to speak into this as well, but I think a, a big thing today would be, you know, is making sure the home just is, is cl- you know, cleaned up, clutter-free, and staged appropriately. I think that's a big thing right there. And then making it safe, you know, making sure that it's, you know, the safety issues that might come up in an inspection mm-hmm. um, are, are taken care of. But some of the cosmetic things, I mean, I just believe a multitude of, of the sins of a home are, are forgiven in today's market because, you know, people are uh, are uh, jumping on this like sharks and, and know that they've got to be competing with multiple offers. So they're not thinking so much in terms of that. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think I always just tell my sellers, you got to deep clean, not like a just quick clean through the house, but do a good deep clean, meaning like wiping down walls, wiping down trim, um, getting the stuff that you don't really ever get, like doing that. Um, declutter, she, she mentioned, that's a huge one. The bigger that we can make your room, the better. So if we can get rid of stuff, and even if it's in a spot in the basement or sitting in the garage, it's still better than in your family room or your dining room, kitchen, bedrooms, you know, whatever. And then, yeah, she kind of touched upon um, the inspections, um, making your, you know, your home basically look best for when an inspector comes through. So I've had sellers just call, you know, HVAC company, get tune-ups on their furnace or their AC, because then that shows buyers that they're, you know, caring for their mechanics, um, which looks better to the buyer. Especially if you have an old furnace, having a tune-up right before um, you sell your house 
and you can kind of show the buyers, hey, I know it's old, but I've got a tune-up, and it's an A-OK on the furnace. That's smart. Mm-hmm. So you're not seeing lots of offers come in, you know, just five, I guess seven years ago, I bought the house I'm at. And the couple, the offer that we had had a couple of, I, I don't know what I'd call them, not contingencies, but there were things that we asked the seller to fix, you know, and they gladly agreed to that. Are you seeing offers with those things in them or is that really no. a thing of the past right <laughs> no, no. now? No, not at all. What about a roof? No. What about stuff like no. that? Well, here's why I want to address that. Because remember, they've probably been in a multiple offer situation. So the the buyer agent at least would understand that as soon as she opens up that contract by you know sending over a an addendum with with any fixes the seller is going to just grab the next person in line wow. you know on uh, from the list of multiple offers that they had so uh yeah this, so like, this is why so like even a roof a roof that's nearing the end of its life that used to be a a big deal not a big deal anymore? No. Oh, no. my goodness. <laughs> no. No, wow. no. Buyers, buyers don't care. Yeah. I always tell my buyers when inspections come through, kind of view it as like a pass or fail. Mm-hmm. You know, are you, is it is it great enough that you're going to buy it or is it that bad that you're going to walk away because the seller is probably not going to give you the money towards whatever the fix is? I mean, if we've got a huge safety concern, I think that's a little bit different. Sure, right. of course. Um, that's, you know, that's a whole different can of worms. But if it's just like, yeah, your roof is old or your furnace is old, the next buyer in line is probably willing to pay for that in a year or two, replace it themselves. I well, like right. that analogy of the pass it, fail instead of getting yes. grades. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, it puts us sometimes in a, kind of a weird position as buyer agents because it is our job. It's our fiduciary duty to advise and guide our, our buyers, you know, to their best interests. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on one hand, we're saying, yeah, that, that roof is, is really old, probably needs a new roof within the next year or less. And so it's not like we're trying to encourage them to, you know, make poor decisions. We're just informing them that, are, are you know, is this something that you're okay with? And can you budget for that? Because also down the road, we don't want them to be house poor that, you know, they're putting right. money into a home that they just, they just at the end of the day weren't prepared to do, you know, because they wrote such a high offer. Now they have no money left, you know, to invest in this home. So we do want them to win a home that they really want, but we also want to make sure it's a good decision for them. Right. So we're trying to, you know, balance that and guide them appropriately. You know, if they're thinking about, well, you know, should we do inspections or not? Uh, no, we advise you to get inspections, but you know, yes, somebody else might come along and re- remove inspections, you know, things like that. So, wow. so what yeah. about the sellers? I, and I guess let's make it personal. If I would list my house right now, there are a couple of things that I'm thinking about at home that I would still be curious, even after everything you said, that maybe I should deal with. Is that something that you guys, I'm assuming you would come out or at least talk me through that and help me understand whether those things are worth it or not? If, if, if a seller's in my shoes, can they contact you about that? Yeah, we we absolutely love doing that because they don't know. You know, the sellers are, they're just, uh, they're looking around going, you know, they're, they're looking at all these things they think they might need to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we love to come in there and sort of put them at ease and say, well, you know, here's the things we encourage you to focus on. And sometimes it's nothing. And they're surprised by that. But, you know, sometimes there are some things we say, you know what? 
if you could focus on this, it's going to make all the difference in the world as to how your home shows or to even the dollar amount that you might get, you know, where it's going to go um, uh, in, a, in a multiple offer situation. Um, when you make your home just even clean and decluttered and, you know, looking like it's well maintained, like we said earlier, it's, you know, makes a difference. So, um, yeah, we would love to do that. Absolutely. Well, Sue and Ginger, that's all the time we've got. If our listeners have any questions about any aspect of buying or selling a house, how's the best way to get in touch? Uh, the best way would be our cell phone, and that would be 616-723-2400 is my number, Sue Prince, and Ginger's number is 616-633-5880. All right, Sue, Ginger, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that gives me a lot to think about as I'm walking into potential homes to buy. Right. <laughs> what I can expect the amount of work that's been done. None. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to do anything. You've got to do it all. Maybe it'll be clean. Maybe. That's what you're hoping for. Yeah. And and the thing about doing the work yourself, that's not as bad as it sounds. No, the it's The roof thing is tough, but sometimes... And honestly, no matter what shape the house is in, I'm going to want to do a bunch of work regardless. Well, that's the thing. Sometimes yeah. we go, you know, in the past, sellers would go through a lot of work to repaint mm-hmm. and they'd paint it in colors they liked. And then the new buyers would be back and repaint the whole thing yeah, anyway. So exactly. not all of that's terrible. It's not. But it is still definitely a different world out there right mm-hmm. now. But we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're talking about some spring cleaning to do on the outside and a big debate about gas or electric pressure washer. Which one is for you? That's coming up in a little bit. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley, you were talking this week about a project that you tackled last weekend. Mm-hmm. Got outside, enjoyed the weather, did a little raking. Yeah. And it sounded really good. You really made the case for how you were outside working. Well, it felt really productive. Yeah, it felt really productive, but hold on. Okay. I'm going to let you talk okay. about all the things you want to talk about. Why were you raking in the first place? I'll just fill in the blank for you because you don't want to say it. It's because you didn't rake last fall. You're yeah. that person. Yeah. All of us have people in our lives who are that person mm-hmm. who don't rake their leaves and then their leaves blow into our yard. <laughs> and then we rake them over and over and over. Well, now, I'm not to bitter. be fair, we don't have we're on the corner. It wasn't going into anyone else's yard. It was just going <laughs> into the street. <laughs> All right. So you're raking the leaves that you on the side of the house, not the whole yard. Okay, so you yeah. did some of your leaves, mm-hmm. but you left the side. Yeah. And you got to it last weekend. Uh-huh. And you ended up making some muddy mess or something, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the side of the house isn't super big and there's a tree back there, so mm-hmm. it's all shaded. No grass can grow. <laughs> it's just dirt and then leaves pile up there. So I was raking all of that out and as I'm raking, I mean, at this point the leaves are dust they're disintegrating because it's been out for so long and there's dirt and mud under the leaves on the sidewalk and even though it looks better than it did it still doesn't look great (laughs) you said your sidewalk's covered with dirt now you basically can't see it it's a dirt path right so i asked you what what's your plan for next fall when you decide to actually get to that and you said you're going to do it sooner than that 
And you thought maybe a power washer. Yeah, because hopefully to go. I won't be there next fall, so that'll be someone else's problem. But right. yeah. yeah, I did it once when I was living in Portland, and it worked really well. And I just had an electric one there um, at the gallery that I worked at, and so I took that and power washed the sidewalks and. Why not do it again? It was kind of fun. Well, that's the thing. Power washers, really handy kind of a thing. You know, we see them all over the place. They, you know, a number of years back, we started seeing them in stores inexpensively, electric Mm -hmm. ones. And my previous experience was always big, heavy-duty, gas, expensive power washers. That's what we rent out of the store at Repco Light and Port City Paints. And that'll do a great job. And I've always looked kind of askance at these <laughs> electric ones, right? Yeah, because they're small looking. Like, what is that going right. to do? It seems like it's probably not worth it. Right. But we thought, let's dig into it a little bit. We've got a home improvement show. We've got nothing but time. Maybe we can help some people. So we dug into them. Power washers themselves. All kinds of things you can do, right? Your sidewalks, mm-hmm. patio areas, houses. You can clean your siding, clean all of those things. Your fence, your bike, car, a grill. I found an article making the case yeah. which power washer you should get. <laughs> and they listed 10 things that are the most common things that people power wash. Yeah. Do you know what number nine was? The toilet. Come on. So bizarre. I know. I want to write to the author and find out Who what world. are you? What are you doing to your toilet <laughs> or not doing to your toilet? That's insane. It would go everywhere. Water would be everywhere. All I could figure is they meant the bathroom, like a commercial bathroom. Yeah, like a rest stop bathroom that has like the drains. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can see power washing the toilet in a truck stop. Maybe. But they didn't say any of that. So I'm picturing somebody (laughs) in a hazmat suit. Well, that toilet's going to have to be power washed. It's the only way to get that cleaned, right? It's crazy. Anyway, number nine on the list of the 10 most common things we power wash. So if you're thinking about power washing your toilet Mm -hmm. or any of the other items (laughs) that we listed, you know, what do you do? Do you buy a power washer? Do you rent one? You know, and we're going to ask that question at the end. Let's talk about the pros and cons between gas and electric, because that's the first debate to settle in your head. Which one's right for you? And there is a debate. You know, there are Oh, yeah, people are opinionated. Yes. I'm a snob in the sense that generally I try to go towards something that's gas-powered. And see, I think that for me, something that I want to carry around that's light enough, that's inexpensive, I would go with an electric. I've used it before, and it did the job that I needed to do. I'm not doing some crazy commercial work where I need that kind of power. Right. And your toilet's been cleaned regularly, (laughs) so the power washing is going to be pretty minor on it. Let's talk about the pros and cons. The pros of an electric power washer, we've kind of already summed some of them up. It's inexpensive. Mm -hmm. 150 bucks can get you a pretty good one. Right. It's quieter. That's a, a, a... so that's something I would consider because the nonstop noise of a gas motor can sometimes drive you nuts. You know, Saturday I'm trying to take a nap, trying to relax. Yeah. All the things I like to do on and a your Saturday. Your neighbors out there. Yeah. It can drive you nuts. Now, with an electric power washer, it's quieter to begin with. And when you release the trigger, it stops running. Mm-hmm. There's no noise at all. Whereas a gas will run until you actually turn the motor off. And I think that one of the pros and cons is that they're lighter duty and that they only go up to around 2,000 PSI. Mm -hmm. So the ability to wash smaller items is there. It doesn't give you the great ability to do it quickly when you're doing a large project or to really get some serious stains out of something. 
But if you want to do smaller things like a bike or a grill, you don't want something super powerful that's well, going to like blow the paint off. Well, you can damage yeah. materials with too strong of a power washer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a plus and a minus. Right. They will peak out at about 2,000 PSI. And generally something we should talk about is they will do lower gallon per minute rates than yes. a gas power washer. We'll get and into both of those numbers units. matter to you. Yes, cleaning units is what that's it. What those both will give us. So if you look at the PSI, you can find you know, equivalents. You can find a gas one that's maybe similar to an electric one. Right. You can find a low-end gas one, a high-end electric one. The PSI might be the same, but the gallons per minute could be significantly different. Yeah. And that makes a big difference in the end. So the cleaning units thing, something to keep in mind. Cleaning units refers to how fast the machine is going to clean a space. Yep. And a real real quick, easy way to figure it is to take the PSI and multiply it by the gallons per minute. So if you've got a 2,000 PSI machine that will do one and a half gallons per minute, you're looking at 3,000 cleaning units. <laughs> it's such a funny it is. unit to say cleaning units. It's a cleaning unit. But it makes sense. It does. If you've got a 2,000 PSI, same PSI machine that will do 2.5 gallons per minute, let's say, now you're looking at 5,000 cleaning units. So a pretty big difference there. A big difference, and it's good. So it's going to clean faster is the bottom line. So the electric ones, they're going to be slower Mm -hmm. in all of those things because they can't push as much water through. All right? You're also confined to the cord or where outlets are. Yeah, that's true. You're limited. So a gas power washer, what are the pros? Well, obviously, it's faster. Mm -hmm. More gallons per minute means more cleaning power and quickly. All of that stuff. They can go to higher PSI ratings. Yeah, you're essentially looking at a commercial product at that point. So you can do bigger jobs, dirtier jobs, and it's going to get it done faster. Right. So if your toilet really has been neglected, (laughs) maybe gas is the way to go. But on the other side of that, like I was just saying, is that you can damage things when you get this serious of a PSI plus gallons per minute. Well, we have seen definitely people, we've seen, I've heard of people breaking windows Mm -hmm. by using the wrong tip, the too much pressure. They have damaged their deck or they're cleaning a fence. You can even etch concrete if you get crazy and use the wrong tip with too much pressure. I had a friend that worked at a big box store and he would demonstrate the power washers outside to sell them. And one of his selling points was how powerful they could be. And he would stand outside with a board and a power washer and cut the board in half just with the power of the water coming out of it. Right. So, so you, you can really can. do some damage. Right. Bottom line, how do you figure out which one's right for you? A lot of it's going to depend on what are you cleaning. Commercial units, if you're a contractor, a gas power washer is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Your homeowner basically looking to clean the car from time to time, wash the siding of the house once a year, You know, maybe do the deck once a year. Might be fine just to go with a, a, an electric one. It might get the project accomplished just fine. You can use it for other things around the house. If you do need to do something like a DAC or a, a bigger project and a gas power washer is what you need, yeah. but you don't want to drop the money for one, we rent them out at any Repcolite or Port City paint store. Just give us a call and we can walk you through that. Maybe that's the best way all around. 
clean the toilet once every three years, and <laughs> rent a gas power washer to do it. Anyway, that's all the time we've got. We're going to wrap it up. If you want to check this one out again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And we love to see your before and after pictures. So tag us on Instagram, Repcolite Paints. Check us out. We've also got a paint palette coming out for April. Mm-hmm. So that's one to stay tuned for, too. Exactly. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The Repcolite and Port City paint stores are open till 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hanson. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.